All right, we're back here on First Stop. Karolnik and Koliakovo, the Toronto Blue Jays, also back. They kick off their spring spring training schedule over the weekend. You know what that means. It's time to welcome back for the first time in far too long our MLB analyst, Steve Phillips. Let's get the studio audience. Let's crack yeah. it up. Good morning, Steve. Welcome back. What's going on? Oh, good morning. Boy, a lot's changed since the last time I talked to you guys. The studio audience is fantastic. <laughs> They're loud. loud. They're wow, loud. they are loud. That's yeah. great. We charge, done, a, uh, we, charge, yeah, we charge a significant fee to come watch this show live in person, Steve, as you can imagine. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, a Springsteen concert in here. Oh, so. kind of like that. By yeah. the way, he's going to be a tour coming up this year, right? Spring, right. That's right. That's right. Born I know. in the USA. That's, yeah, some, wow. like four hour concerts nice. uh, for Springsteen. On the subject of length of time, ah, close on the segue, very close. The pitch clock, I mean, what an introduction over the weekend where you had that situation, <laughs> the walk-off strikeout with the pitch clock. And there's but it been was a, the batter that, that yeah. got called out because he violated the the. the Clock rule. The, I, yeah, didn't, so, I didn't know. I didn't know the, the batter had a clock rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, help us help us understand what's well, going on here in baseball. Okay, so think about it. That that the reason the batter needs a clock rule because otherwise they could then put the pitcher in jeopardy if they don't get in the batter's box. So the rule is they're going with 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds with runners on base. The pitcher has to deliver, has to start his motion, is what it is. He has to start his motion within 15 seconds with nobody on base and 20 seconds with runners on. Now the hitter, the batter, has to be in the box with both feet looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left. Uh, now what happened with off time, the violation for the hitter will be he'll be in the batter's box with his, you know, getting his feet set, will be looking down and won't look at the pitcher and there will be a violation. Now with the minor leagues, I just had a, a meeting with MLB on Friday about all of these rules and in the minor leagues, initially in the first two weeks, they implemented the, this rule, the pitch timer. There were 1.7 violations per game. So almost two per game. Uh, and then by the end of the season, there were 0.4 violations, which to put that in perspective, in the NFL, there are 0.6 delay of game penalties uh, during the course of a game. All right. And so, so it'll be, it's fewer than that. Uh, and 81% of the violations are the pitchers. Only 19% of the violations are the batters. Uh, but the hitter has to get in. And so in this game, it was what Red Sox and Braves, I think it was, uh, the hitter in, uh, it, the game was tied 6-6. Remember in spring training, they're not going to go extra innings, but with, it would have been a bases loaded walk. That would have led to the win, but instead the umpire said that he violated the rule, uh, and in fact it was strike three that ended the inning and took away the run, which would have led to it. And, and here's the thing, it's great that that's happening. The more attention that could get drawn to this issue right now will mean that we'll face far fewer of them uh, in in the regular season. And, and the one thing that's kind of weird here is this was kind of a minor league player who's been living with the pitch timer in the minor leagues hmm. for the last hmm. several years. So many of the guys in the big leagues now have experienced this. They're going to have to get reacclimated to it. Uh, but um, it's the rule to, to speed up the game, and it's going to knock off 25 to 30 minutes per game. Well, that's they huge. Did, they did. See, they did say the. They did post the average length of game last year was like three hours and twenty minutes, and the average length of the game so far this spring training two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, three oh seven is what the average was last year. Twenty twenty one is three hours and eleven minutes. And you're right, it's knocking about a half an hour off. It's awesome. And yeah. so right, and so and what it is, and it's not so much the length of the game. 
It's the time between contact made on a bat. That back in the 1960s and 70s, it was two and a half minutes between contact being made, where a pitch makes contact with a bat uh, on average. It's gotten up to four minutes. And so you wait four minutes between every time there's contact. You know, it's ball one, ball two, strike one, strike two. And before the ball's put in play, it's up to four minutes right now. And that's really what they're trying to do is to eliminate the amount of time between contact. And now more contact will turn into base hits because we're banning the shift. Although what they're finding is that they may not have gone far enough with it because what teams are doing with the left-handed hitter is they're taking the left fielder and moving them over into that rover spot where we saw the second baseman play really deep into shallow right field, and they're going with a two-outfielder format, really, is what teams are doing to sort of see if that'll work. And I suspect that next year, they probably won't do it in season, but next year they're going to say you need to have two infielders in the dirt on either side of second base and three outfielders playing in standard position. Uh, But they didn't do that, and they think probably they might not have gone far enough with it. Steve Phillips is our guest, making his grand return to first stop. And we're talking about adjustments that Toronto Blue Jays fans might need to make. For example, watching a game, you're seeing the pitch clock, you're seeing bigger bases, and you're seeing Yusei Kikuchi with a beard and a competent pitching performance, Steve. How much should we take away from his debut, I guess in spring training at least, and what Yusei Kikuchi was able to do? Any optimism that you would be able to derive from that? So, so I want to because I know he needs it <laughs> yeah. from Blue Jays fans uh, and from Carlo particularly. Uh, and so, and so, um, but I'll tell you, it's got the jersey, not me. I do yeah. have a Kikuchi jersey. Oh, true. nice. Okay, good. Do you have darts? Do you put up on a dartboard? Or what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah. I wear it proudly. Come on, okay. he's gonna have a big bounce back season. <laughs> so I'd like to see that for him. Uh, and and look, a, a great first outing is better than not having one. But, you know, it's not only about that. Spring training is one of the worst times to evaluate talent. So is September because, you know, you've got all different levels of players up at the, in spring training. You know, you've got a lot of Class A players that are up there. You may not face as many major leaguers. You might have a minor league umpire behind the plate. So there's a lot of things that can come into play with this. Uh, and, and yet, you know, it's something to build upon because really for him, this is mental. It's not physical. His stuff, he's, he's capable of this. It's just that he doesn't hold on to it in the belief of himself. They've got to build up that confidence. So every positive he can gain right now gets him in that wheel of confidence that leads to success and success that leads to confidence. And he's got to stay in that wheel because when he spins out of it, he has a hard time getting back in. And so it's a good first start for him, something to build upon, but we'll see if, it's, uh, if he's able to maintain it. Steve, we saw Nate Pearson out there on Saturday. I'm trying to struggle. I always struggle with, the, with what day it happened uh, over the weekend. I, I don't even know what day it yeah, is today, know, so don't worry about it. He was, almost, he was almost hitting 101 on the gun. He's throwing absolute fire and didn't have his best performance. Had a couple of walks, gave up a couple of hits. But I think the velocity is particularly noteworthy. What type of impact do you think Nate, Nate Pearson can have out of the bullpen this year? Well, I mean, I, I've been dying for him to be a reliever, and I just think that, that one, it can protect his arm a little bit, uh, and with the expanded 26-man roster, you can carry the extra guy. You know, you've got a little more protection for your bullpen where you can, you know, not have to use him back-to-back and protect him some just to get him into the season in a rhythm. He's got great stuff. Now, 
you know, he threw 101, but he gives up a couple hits because guys can hit 101 right now. It's amazing what hitters can do. That's the thing that always dumbfounds me. It used to be that there were very few guys who ever threw over 96, 97. Now everybody throws 101, and hitters can hit it because they're kind of used to it. They get the timing of it. Uh, but he has the ability to be a shutdown setup guy for them. And, and, you know, to go along with Swanson at the end of the game, lead to Romano at the end of the game, and, and really give them this dynamic, you know, trio of power arms that can dominate. Uh, but it's going to be about consistency. The difference between big leaguers and minor leaguers isn't about the radar gun. There are so many guys in the minor leagues that throw 101. The difference is consistency, the ability to not only maintain that velocity from one outing to the next, but to be able to, to locate where he needs to locate, to then set up the slider that could be a wipeout slider, to be able to throw that breaking pitch in the same tunnel where you threw your fastball off the plate. Because once you make mistakes or, and here's the thing, the thing that, that causes managers and general managers to get white hair or lose it is when relievers walk batters. That is, I mean, you're coming in typically sometimes the runners on base. You don't want to give them any free passes. Make them earn everything, and so that's going to be critical for sure. Steve, uh, in massive news over the weekend in Major League Baseball, we saw Manny Machado opt out of his contract with the San Diego Padres, and most people thought, oh, okay, this is what's going to happen here. Well, clearly he knew what he was doing because he signed an 11-year, $350 million deal. What did you make about the deal, and what does that say about the Padres? Yeah, I, I you know, people rave about... Um, you know, everything about San Diego, right? How great it is and everything else. Little did we know they buried the lead. They've never told us that money grows on trees there. <laughs> it, nice. I mean, I mean, nice. like, right. What, what, why would they not have shared that? We all would have been there by now. No kidding. Uh, and, and so it's amazing to me. They've got the third highest payroll and, you know, they're a mid to smaller market team. Uh, without a great TV deal, but their owner, Peter Seidler, just wants to go for it. He's a little bit like Steve Cohen and, and, and with the Mets, who's just, you know, they're spending money hand over fist, and they want to win a championship, and they're not apologizing. Uh, and and p- people say owners are mad at the Mets owner. They're, I think, more upset at San Diego. With that size marketplace, with the third highest payroll, there's, they're, they're, other teams are like, wait a minute, how can they afford this? So it's a big deal. They, they said it, Machado was their priority. You know, the initial salvo for on either side for an offer, they were about $144 million apart, but they found some middle ground to get a deal done. Uh, and it was the Padres coming up in a significant way. So they lock him up long term. It's the fourth highest contract out there now. Uh, and But what it means is, I don't know how they possibly signed Juan Soto moving right, forward. That's going to be my next uh, question. And I don't know that they are in on Otani with this either. So it seems like they made a choice. <laughs> and I think it's probably the right thing to, to try with the first guy to see if he can get him. Uh, but, you know, we may see an Otani or a, a Soto trade, at not this year, but maybe at the end of the season or next year if they're not going to be able to sign him. Because I don't know how they possibly can. They still have Tatis to the major contract. You know, they've got Bogart signed to the major contract yeah. and Machado and Darvish and Joe Musgrove all over $100 million. Jeez. So they've got a ton of money out there, but they're going to be really good. And they're, they're the team to beat in the, in the National League West. And I tell you what, as much as you are skeptical of signing those two guys, there's a lot of people that believe that they're still going to find a way to sign those two guys, especially Soto, and be in the hunt for Otani. I don't know yes, how they make it bring happen. Bring them all in. But, bring, like, bring them well, all okay, in. Okay, so we're going into the season just quickly. 
What do you expect an Otani contract to look like? Oh, it'll be a five hundred million plus wow. deal. Yeah, it, it will. He'll be fifty million a year. I mean, you think about it. The best ace pitchers are getting thirty to thirty-five million a year, and the biggest sluggers are getting thirty to thirty-five million a year and more. And so you're talking about a guy who's both of those. He'll be the best hitter and the best pitcher available in free agency wow. next year. And so, yeah, I think he's going to be a fifty-plus million dollar a year player. And I think the Dodgers will be in, especially if the Padres run away with the division this year. The Dodgers will jump in. The Mets will get in. And see, the Yankees, think about the Yankees, interesting. You know, there was a talk the other day that Aaron Judge is going to try to play left field so Stanton can play right field. And I thought, geez, I don't know if I want to do that to Stanton because I need him as healthy as possible if I'm the Yankees. And I think anything you do to put him in the field puts him at risk physically. But if they're in on Otani, they have to clear the DH rollout and play Stanton in the outfield. And Mm. so they better figure out if he can do it on a regular basis because it's the only way they can get in on Otani and still have both of them on the same roster. Steve, it may be spring training, but you, my friend, are in mid-season form. Thank you for doing this. We'll chat with you every Monday morning and Thursday morning from here on out all the way into the month of October. Have a great day. Thanks for doing this. You bet, guys. Good to be back with you again. Have a great week. You You too. too. Steve Phillips, our MLB analyst, 500 mil for Otani. And, uh, and like, you're right, I, man. The Dodgers, I mean, or sorry, excuse me, the Padres, like they are just spending money, like it's going out of style. Good for them. No, exactly. I, I don't mean, know how they can do it. It's crazy to think that a small market team can do that. Yeah. But. Well, they're not a small market team anymore. No they were, they but they win. are no they longer by any means necessary. The first up scoreboard on the other side, a 71 point performance by an NBA player late last night. We'll fill you in on who that was. What a show he put on. That's next on First Up.